are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Tony Dow, and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest on our show. Carm Hundress is the co-founder of Ars Review and has served as a startup and technology expert in his many years of experience. So thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good, Tony. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm really excited to uh, speak with you today. I've already uh, heard you speak multiple times on other platforms. So um, it's really great to, to finally have you on the podcast. And uh, before we get started talking about, you know, Ars Review and other things, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm, uh, you know, was born and raised in Western Massachusetts and uh, went to uh, went to college in Boston for electrical engineering and then sort of got the, the startup bug while I was in Boston. And I've been in a lot of uh, early stage startup companies in a lot of different industries, everything from voice technology to high-end audio to recruiting. Um, and oddly, I've never really been in a big company. I think that's something that's pretty unique about my career. And then, you know, about eight years ago now in 2013, 2014, uh, started RX Review um, and, you know, been been running the company for the last eight years. So I have, have a lot of sort of technology experience and, you know, my background as an engineer sort of helps uh, with that. But as we all know, healthcare needs a lot better technology. And I think, you know, uh, it served me really well in this role. Awesome. I do have a question, like before shifting into the healthcare space, uh, what were you working on? And I guess what kind of inspired you to move into the healthcare area? Well, I think I was in, you know, at that time, I was in my early 30s. And I think I had lo- I was kind of in an interesting transition in my career where, you know, I kind of look back at the last decade of my work, and you know, what I had accomplished. And, you know, I felt good about what I had, where I had contributed and helped, but I really, you know, didn't have that sort of, you know, mission driven or co- kind of calling, you know what I mean, in terms of um, really finding something that I felt like, you know, I was going to be making a difference in the world and really being useful. And, at, you know, I at that time started really thinking about healthcare. Um, there was a lot of funding going into healthcare starting about, you know, sort of post 2010, money started to flow and has and continue to has uh, to flow into to healthcare. And it just seemed like a huge uh, need for me uh, or need for the industry. And for me, just being able to contribute in sort of the most fundamental way to right to people's health and, and well-being. And that was sort of what lined up with RX Review and sort of saying, boy, this is something, you know, where I think technology could really make a dramatic difference and help patients and, you know, got kind of lined up on the um, idea through a doctor named Dr. Kevin O'Brien, uh, who's the other, you know, founder here uh, around this idea of, of drug cost transparency and helping patients better understand the cost of their medications and alternatives. Yeah. So you did briefly mention about, you know, the, the cost transparency. And I guess like for the listeners who don't know anything about RS Review, what exactly is like RS Review and mission statement and uh, goals of the company? Yeah, I, you know, our, our, our mission or, or vision really is to help um, doctors make much better decisions today for their patients um, by bringing in, you know, cost, benefit, and coverage information to the point of care. Uh, you know, today when most doctors make decisions, uh, they're making them kind of blind to what your insurance covers, what it'll cost, um, and and sort of the financial burden uh, that that it may or may not put on you as a patient. And that's really what RX Review has set out to do. 
Uh, and, you know, we started in the pharmacy space where, you know, our, our platform and technology integrates with electronic health records and in real time shows the doctor the cost of the drug for that patient on their particular plan uh, at the pharmacy they're, they're going to go pick that prescription up at. And obviously, if, if the you know, patient and the doctor can solve that issue in the exam room before the patient leaves and goes to the pharmacy, that's a, that's a big deal. And so we bring back you know, lower cost uh, therapeutic alternatives. We bring back drugs that might not have a prior authorization or are covered versus a non-covered um, prescription. Um, and we do all that in real time. And we do that for about 200,000 doctors annually um, now on our, our platform. And we work with some of the well-known EHRs out there like Epic, Cerner, and Athena. Awesome. Wow. That's, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of impact. Um, you know, like when you first started the company, how, how did you kind of grow? Like initially, was it just like one or two kind of offices or did you have like a certain amount that you shot for and then you just expanded from there? Well, it was, it was a lot, you know, sort of a classic startup story where we, we spent years literally you know, I'd say the first three, four years of the company trying to find sort of scalable ways to not only bring cost transparency, but even clinical guidance uh, to providers at the point of care. And, and back in the, you know, 2014, 15, 2016, this was still, these ideas were kind of relatively new in terms of clinical decision support and bringing external data into the provider's decision-making process within the electronic health record. And so we, we spent years sort of experimenting with different types of clinical interventions. And, you know, what, what we began to find out was really the two critical things for providers were um, less clicks, not more. You know, the, the doctors are always looking for to kind of the path of least resistance. And then if you could lower the cognitive load on them um, and sort of guide them, you know, more easily to a good decision, they, they honestly would, would take that. Um, and the fact that it has to be in their workflow, you know, historically tools that are sort of like portals or uh, the traditional ways you'd kind of get to benefit and cost information, you know, by going out to some website and through a portal really don't work. You want this stuff to be integrated at the point of care, you know, to help providers make better decisions. So we spent years trying to figure that out. And then it wasn't really until about 2018, so about four years into building the company, that sort of two major inflection points happen. The first thing is that the standard for bringing cost transparency to the point of care from insurance companies, it's called real-time pharmacy benefit, RTPB, or sometimes RTBC, real-time benefit check, was was actually standardized and and payers and, and PBM started to you know make make those APIs available. So companies like us could integrate with them and get that data to the point of care. And the second thing was really that electronic health records started to really see the benefit of having this data as part of the prescribing process and allowed us to integrate directly into those native workflows. And so we both could scale up on being able to do pricing for patients through payers. And today, I'm happy to say we can do pricing for about 150 million Americans. Uh, and then second to that, you know, we could scale up on the provider side by integrating directly into the electronic health record uh, and, and being part of that prescribing workflow. Uh, and we, you know, through some enterprise relationships with the likes of Epic and Cerner and, and Athena, we're able to scale up very, very fast to where we are today with about providers. That's amazing. Did you kind of like uh, see that this was where you were going to be at today when you were first starting the company? No, I mean, it's, it's well beyond sort of my wildest expectations. 
you know, I think the thesis was always right. I mean, I think, you know, even early on, I would sort of talk to people about this of like, you know, we're trying to help doctors make better decisions with cost transparency at the point of care. And, and most, a lot of people still to this day say, wait, this hasn't been done, right? It's it's sort of one of those obvious things. And I think there there's a point and we're starting to see this where sort of all services will be able, will be priceable. Um, in real time at the point of decision making. And I, I think that's really the future where, you know, whether it's pharmacy or medical based services, providers and patients should have real time access to price a- any of those services in real time, just just like pricing anything else in our lives. Um, and I think directionally, that's where, you know, we're headed. And that's where we want the industry to go. Um, but I really never thought we'd get to sort of this, you know, if you think there's about a million prescribing docs in the U.S., I mean, we're touching one of every five now, which is which is more than I ever thought um, the company would get to in, in terms of scale and, and that it would go this fast. You know, we kind of scaled from just a few thousand doctors in 28 to where we are now, which is about 2,000. So that, that type of scale, very few companies ever even get the opportunity to go through that kind of uh, exponential growth. And and that's been a, a real fun ride to uh, challenging, especially with last year and COVID, but a really incredible ride to go through that level of growth um, and, and try to, you know, keep everything up and running and make sure things don't fall apart. Uh, but but no, I, I don't think I ever had this expectation in terms of where we are today. Yeah, I mean, that that sounds amazing, just how fast you're able to grow uh, Arts Review. I, I guess like I was curious too, like, uh, were, were there any like major challenges that you guys had to face and overcome that uh, kind of like uh, stuck with you that they were kind of like learning points? You know, I, 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 there's so many, um, you know, I think I could probably write a book. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, fundamentally the company's thesis has always been right. The vision for this company of like, let's get, you know, more data, you know, cost, benefit, coverage data, clinical data to the point of care to help providers make better decisions. You know, that is really, um, fundamentally true. You know, I don't think I realized how hard it would be, you know, how, antiquated technology is, how antiquated these standards were, just the challenges we faced. I mean, I, I, you know, there was at least two years where I ran the company on kind of 60 to 90 days of cash. And that type of kind of experience for years, you know, to about two years on end teaches you a lot. It, you know, and I never miss payroll. Somehow, you know, by hook or crook, we'd get another deal or I'd get some more funding or, you know, I'd borrow money. <laughs> Um, there were some pretty ugly and very difficult things that I had to go through, but it taught me a lot about timing and building enterprise value and focus. You know, it, again, it's a classic thing where you get kind of overfunded and you, your focus kind of goes everywhere. And and it forced us to focus. It forced us to really work on, you know, sort of like the hardest things that we thought would create value. Um, and that was a huge learning for me. You know, and I'm much more comfortable now in those tough moments. Like things don't really bother me as much as they used to because I've been kind of through that really tough experience. I also think, you know, that teams really change. You know, the there's some great books on these types of talks. I think Blitzscaling is probably the best of how your team really does have to change over time when you're scaling, when you're going through exponential growth. Humans are, are sadly sort of like the worst creatures in the world to understand exponential growth. Um, we're very linear and it's very hard for us to change. And, you know, your teams kind of go through that and you have to move very quickly because like one day someone's really effective and great at what they do and the next day they're not. Then you kind of move through this phase of generalist to specialist 
or people that are individual contributors and then need to become managers. And those those transitions are incredibly hard. And, you know, you have a lot of loyalty to people that, you know, that started early with you that you have to transition out. And those are really hard moments. Um, and I've been through my fair share of those of, of having to cut team members because they just weren't right anymore. And and those are tough lessons. But ultimately, you really have to serve the company and the mission. Uh, and if you, you know, you put somebody above that, you know, you're in real trouble. And th- those lessons have really stuck with me. And, you know, I think employees really who like startups really need to understand that it's a tour of duty, right? You kind of come in and you have an experience for a year, mostly like two, maybe three years. But it's incredible now. I mean, I think there's one or two people left out of, I think, close to 70 now that were in the company in the early days. So that's how much it changed um, from, from you know, those early days to, to where we are. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that kind of thing you only really see when you do start your own company and you kind of like see that because you're experienced it. Um, but, you know, speaking about the teams, I, I do wonder about like, what is the makeup of um, Arts Review? Like what kind of, I guess, like technology staff or clinical staff do you have uh, with your team to like get these kind of complicated healthcare uh, tools to be, uh, you know, uh, to be implemented correctly? Yeah, I mean, you know, we made a shift and this was one of the things in terms of you know, changing the team up. We went from sort of having applications that were embeddable in EHRs to really being a data company, right, where we're just exchanging this data with payers and PBMs to bring into care. And you really need specific types of technologists that understand how to do more of a transactional business. You know, we do we do a couple million of these transactions now a month. And getting the systems and architecture and scalability right, you know, we have a wonderful engineering team. Gabe Hesse, our CTO, is phenomenal. I mean, he's built a lot of these scalables before, but we have a great engineering team that really focuses on how do we build sort of these very scalable, distributed, uh, multi, you know, they're multi-connected systems. Um, to both to talk to payers and PBMs and then bring this data to the point of care. I think the other part too that's, I think, unique to RX Review is really our sort of commercial success and kind of the the hard work we did to figure out the value proposition here because we actually don't get paid by doctors or health systems. We get paid by payers or PBMs for bringing this data to the point of care because if that they and their members save money on their prescription drugs, for instance, uh, you know, th- that financially saves them money and that's where the ROI is. And so it took us a long time to kind of rationalize the value chain. Um, and I think that led to our commercial success opposed to you know, earlier on, we spent years trying to sell the health system, which was very hard and long sales cycles. And, you know, the fact that we can walk in and say, hey, look, this is free. You don't have to pay for it. It's paid for by the payers and PBMs. And, you know, this brings a lot of value to your providers because they can make more rational prescription decisions uh, to improve, you know, patient experience. You know, I'd say usually one of the top three issues at most health systems in terms of poor patient experience is a bad pharmacy. And so we can really help solve a lot of those issues. Um, as well as reduce administrative burden for providers around like prior authorizations and other other things. And so that's really the, you know, some of the things that we've uniquely figured out from a team perspective, both from a technology and commercial that, that I think make us a little bit more unique. And I think, you know, those things that we've done have really enabled us to scale, um, you know, and, and also sort of closely integrating with the electronic health records to get scale, you know, get to scale. I don't really know of another digital health company that has scaled to as many providers as we have. Um, I don't even think the telehealth companies have scaled as fast as we have in terms of the number of providers we're interacting. 
interactive on us. So it's pretty neat that we've figured all that out. And I, I attribute a lot of that success to the, you know, the technology and commercial t- at RX Review. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, like interoperability is a big like thing, right? So you, you've been working with integration of um, RX Review services over to all these other EHRs. Uh, I also uh, am aware that you've also previously supported the ONC with interoperability. Um, can you kind of talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. You know, it's such an interesting story. Back in 2014, when I was just getting the company up and running, and we kind of had an initial team, we had done some funding. You know, I was connected here to Phil Weiser, who's now the Attorney General for for Colorado. Um, he and I got connected, and he had done some policy work with Anish Chopra, um, who was the first CTO of the U.S. And Anish and a group of technologists had just been been sort of tasked through the the 2014 Jason report that came out of the U.S. government, basically saying that you know meaningful use one and two had kind of failed, and this sort of task force, which you know kind of became Project Argonaut, if if you know about about that sort of started to kind of solve sort of the, you know, solve the interoperability issues. And so we started really collaborating and Anish actually came out here to Colorado. We had a great, you know, time together and had actually had a little event out here with a bunch of people to talk about Project Argonaut and and what was just being formulated was FHIR, which is F-H-I-R, Fast Healthcare Interoperability Resource. And, and that, you know, was just in its early stages and our team actually supported and helped out and went to some of these sort of you know, few day long events where they would work on the standards, and we helped build out the medication standard for prescription drugs um, around fire. And I'm really proud of the work our team did around that. It's now really part of the standard and is really driving U.S. interoperability in terms of you know uh, patient access to and provider access to medical record data. Um, and now we're seeing through the 21 Century Cures Act you know, a huge transition in terms of these information blocking right rules that are saying, you know, by the sort of end of next year, patients for free at no cost can ask any healthcare provider, you know, for their medical record and should be able to get it in a machine readable format, which will be in fire. And it's great to see how much adoption has happened with the EHRs and health systems around this. So, you know, I'm really pleased about that work and that, you know, we help contribute around interoperability and um, the development of fire, which is now, I think, really reaching scale. And, and hopefully in the next year, we'll enable patients to really get act, Axel record. That's really cool. And, you know, just speaking of like medication standards, a lot of our podcast audience are actually those that work in the pharmacy field. Uh, I was curious about like, how do pharmacists play a role uh, in the ARS review team? Well, I mean, we, you know, we help a lot of pharmacists uh, every day around pricing, you know, these drugs. I think that you know, the, the pharmacists, uh, you know, play in such an incredible role and they're such a sort of, you know, I, I don't know, sort of silent hero for so many patients in terms of like getting medications right and really helping patients, um, you know, improve the quality of their life and make sure they can be adherent. You know, I think the big thing for pharmacists is just, you know, continuing to push standards and interoperability and, you know, o- openness, you know, to get the data together to help make better decisions. You know, we, I really hope the, you know, from sort of an ONC or CMS perspective, the the sort of regulatory bodies continue to push for more and more coverage in terms of the information blocking rules. And 
you know, I'd like to see things like even claims data be considered patient um, health information or PHI. That way, um, that means patients have the right to that information and, and their insurance company has to provide it to them, you know. And I think that's so important around medications um, because that can help you better understand if a patient's been adherent and, and, you know, have they done refills? What medications are they on? All those things can become more visible. And I think, you know, for, for pharmacists, this just so helps them do their, their job better. You know, I think if uh, a, pay, uh, you know, a pharmacist could, you know, price a drug in real time, have the patient's um, med history and, you know, be able to look at their medical record all in a single uh, system or, you know, in, in a way where the patient could share that information with them so they could do a review. It would just have a dramatic impact on, on so many patients' lives. And I think, you know, I think pharmacists can play an active role to sort of encourage um, the powers that be to continue to open up more and more interoperability standards so this data becomes much more easy to access and then we can improve patient care from there. We have one full-time clinical pharmacist. She's amazing, and we'll probably hire more uh, in the next year. The demand is increasing. I mean, it's, you know, our business is getting more and more complicated. We're starting to really measure the utilization and behavior of, of providers when they have this data. Um, but you really need a clinical eye to look at that to say, well, you know, there was this alternative, uh, you know, why they did not did or did not take it. And sometimes, you know, it's an irrational alternative, but you have to have a clinical background or a ph pharmacist background to do that. So we're pretty interested in working with pharmacists that are entrepreneurial and, and want to get involved in, in uh, you know, startups or a company cars. So thank you for sharing so much information on, you know, just Arts Review and just the whole journey of like how Arts Review was able to expand so much and just talking about your experience as like uh, running the company. So um, if someone had like uh, further questions for you or if they had like uh, they wanted to learn more about Arts Review, what's the best way they, they can reach somebody? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you can go to our website, which is the easiest, which is rxrevu.com. Um, and there's a form there you can fill out. You know, a lot of people, uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, pretty actively. That's the easiest way to sort of get a hold of me. Uh, and I'm just at Carm Huntress and you can DM me directly on there. I'm also on LinkedIn, me up on LinkedIn. A lot of people message through, through LinkedIn. So a lot of easy ways to get in touch with uh, the company or me. And I can always direct, you know, direct you in the right direction, depending on what your interest in is from a commercial perspective or coming um, to work for Rx Review. Awesome. Thanks so much for all that info. For the listeners, I'm going to be putting that into the show notes. So check the show notes for the links to um, to LinkedIn and Twitter and Rx Review. But, you know, thank you so much again for taking some time to be on the podcast today uh, and you're talking about your experience and about Rx Review. I'm sure that, you know, I've learned a lot from uh, from what I've heard and I'm sure listeners have as well. Yeah, Tony, thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for listening. And if you like our show, please share with your friends or write a review on Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcasting services. You can find us on all major social media platforms and you can reach me at tony at pharmacyitme.com. To learn more about Pharmacy Informatics, you can register to the Introduction to Pharmacy Informatics course at pharmacyinformaticsacademy.com completely for free. To network with other great pharmacists, check out pharmacistconnect.com. And to network with other healthcare technology professionals, check out healthtechbuddies.com. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And remember, technology is the tool, patient care is the goal.